Hello. Thank you for joining us today for the Harvest Time Church weekly podcast. As you listen today, we pray that you are richly blessed and that the message would guide you deeper into your walk with Jesus and help you to advance his kingdom here on earth. Have a blessed day. Um, this morning, so I, got, I, I had Don and Sarah Reed reach out to me. He actually told me before he left, he's wanting to partner with all the local churches to get each church that supports him to sponsor a well. Now, a well costs $5,000. Right, you know, so sometimes that can be a significant amount. Maybe it's not a significant amount to you, but it's a significant amount to me. Well, he reached out to me this last week, and uh, he said, "Man, I was praying about it." And Don and Sarah are very close to Becky and I, and he says, "I just felt like the Lord uh, wanted me to ask you if if you would pay for a well. This well we're wanting to do is actually on a property where there has been a small hospital already built." There is a there is a doctor that that lives there, and but the travel, the cost, everything uh, to be able to do this is going to cost ten thousand dollars. So if five thousand dollars was enough, he went up to ten thousand dollars. So I, I talked to the elders. I said, "Hey, what's your thoughts?" And we said, "Hey, this looks like an opportunity for kingdom investment." The house has been full of people. The house has been full of resources, and we know that it is the church's giving that makes missions possible. So you know what we said. We're going to cover the full $10,000, and we're sending the check this week. So I want you to know that is not funded by Pastor Noe's wallet. That is funded by each of you faithful givers giving to the house of the Lord. And it says, bring the tithe, bring the offering so that the storehouse would be full. Because, man, it is, it is so humbling. Because if me and Morgan go back 10 years, we remember when we were taking up a love offering for half of a soundboard. Like, Lord Jesus, you think we can do this? All right, well, we got half. Let's take up a love offering for the rest. And God has richly blessed this church. He's blessed this house. But I tell you what, I believe that God wants to continually funnel through us. It's not just for us. We'll use some to upgrade facilities and take care and maintain what we have. But there's a bigger perspective to what God has blessed us to do, and that is outside the four walls of the church. So I always want you to know that this is what we're doing. If you give tithes and offerings, we diligently take that and we disperse that. So if you were a faithful giver in this house, you got seed in the soil in Africa to unreached people groups, to who knows all, all across the world. And you didn't know how you would get there, but your money did. So I want you to just realize what, what we get the privilege to do and what we get the honor to do when people in the house of God give. Amen? Amen. Man, it's, it, it, I just, I made sure all the elders wanted to do it. I didn't even, I didn't even cast my vote or say anything until they were in agreement. But I tell you what, we're a kingdom-minded church. We are a kingdom-minded group of elders. And I believe that we will be a kingdom-minded people. And if we keep that perspective, I believe that God will continue to provide resources to everything we have need of. Amen. Amen. Um, before I jump into the message, I believe that there is a commanded blessing on the house of God. And, and I'm going to ask God that he would not only just bless the house, but it would come from the church and your house would be blessed also. Can I pray that over you this morning? Whatever you're believing God for, whatever breakthrough you're, you're believing for in the financial realm, I'm believing for more than enough. Because if we get to the more than enough, guess what? That even allows each of us as households to impact the kingdom personally, to do abundantly more than we've ever imagined or hoped. 
So Lord, I thank you for each one here and every family represented. Father, some I know, some I don't. But Father, I pray just the commanded blessing that is on this house, that it be transferred to your people. Everyone under the sound of my voice, the ones in the room, the ones listening on the stream. Father, that there would be an abundance in their home, abundance in their resources, not for their own benefit, but so that they might bless the world around us. Lord, I thank you that you're giving us everything we have need of. And Lord, I pray that we would be diligent stewards of everything you've given us. Father, we thank you. And Father, I pray that we continue to manage it well. In Jesus' name we pray, amen. Amen. So this morning, if you didn't know, it's Resurrection Sunday. It's one of the the biggest Sundays, my most favorite favorite Sunday of the year. If there was a Super Bowl in the church, that would be today, to where the fulfilled promise of God, of Jesus, and everything came uh, to pass. Now, how many of you love a good comeback story? You like watching movies where the, the odds are stacked against the person, and you're sitting there eating that popcorn? You're all excited about it, and you're waiting for that breakthrough moment. You know, maybe the individual uh, is, is, it's the last lap in the race, and they're turning, and you see, you see the one in last slowly coming forward, or you, it's the final round in the match, and, or the person's knocked down, and you're right there, if they could see you, yelling at them, saying, get up, you got it, don't give up. There's this intense moment, and then, and then at the last moment, what happens? You see the person stand up, they're renewed with energy, they get back up, and the person that you were rooting for the whole time came in clutch and wins. Your hands fly in the air, you act a little foolish, your kids don't know what's going on, but you know what's going on because you were portraying and you were relating to that character the whole time. You you lift your voice in excitement and celebration. Do you realize that this is exactly what happened on Resurrection Sunday? There was a comeback that happened where the enemy thought he had won and Jesus had, and God had other plans. He thought that he killed the savior of the world in one. I don't know when he missed the three day thing, right? I'll be back in three days. He had thought he had won. He had killed the savior of the world. And that was all part of the master plan. He was in the tomb for three days. But he said, I'll be back in three days. And on the third day, even the grave could not hold him down. He rose to life. The stone was commanded to move. Get out of my way. The time has come. Death, where is your victory? And death, where is your sting? Revelations 1.18. It says, I am the living one. I was dead. And now look, I am alive forever and ever. And I hold the keys of death and Hades. They are in the hands of God. It's not, he is no longer defeated. He has done everything that he needs to do to ensure our victory. Amen. So we know that Jesus had to accomplish something, but guess what? We have to accomplish something. We have to do something. We have to tell others what Jesus has done. The greatest story ever told. Not a fairy tale. The greatest story. It actually happened. He actually died, but he rose again three days later. Through his punishment on the cross, he was dead and he was buried. He was pierced for our transgressions. He was actually crushed for our iniquities. This punishment brought us peace that was on him. And by his wounds, do you realize right now we can receive healing in our bodies? This wasn't something that just happened for a moment. This is something that today, by his wounds, we are healed. He paid the final sacrifice once and for all for you and for I. He willingly laid down his life because no one could take it from him, but he willfully laid it down on his own accord. Upon the death of Jesus, did you know that the veil was torn from top to bottom? 
Now, we gotta pay attention to the words here. It says from top to bottom. Why was it from top to bottom and not bottom to top? Because if it was from bottom to top, man could have possibly tore the veil, but only God can tear a veil like that from top to bottom. There was a separation between God and man that once, one, for once and for all was restored again. The earth shook, the rocks split, and tombs broke open. Through his burial in the grave, he died so that you and I may have life. On that cross, his side was, was speared and blood and water flowed out, proving that he was human. He was all God, yet all man. You have to understand, this was not just a, a God, God, just all God, but he, he took on flesh. He took on our sin. He was punished. He was, he was beaten. He was spat upon. This is the life he had to live. Through his resurrection, we know that if Christ died and rose from the grave, we have full assurance of resurrection following this life. It's a scary gospel if there is no resurrection. But if there is a resurrection, we can rest assured that we will rise again also. Death no longer has mastery over him. The death he died, he died to sin once for all. For the life he now lives, he lives to God. Do you realize that during Jesus' resurrection that many holy people that had died were raised to life also and they went into the holy city and they appeared to many? There was power that was released in the earth that was unfathomable. It says that the tombs were broke open and when Jesus raised from the dead, some holy people walked around the city. What's up, Uncle Phil? Like, I don't know what that was like. It's like, oh man, uh, how do you explain this? Well, when resurrecting power happens and the power of God is released on the face of the earth, dead things come to life. So if dead beings can come to life, that they'd been there long, they'd been there longer than three days. Right? So it doesn't matter to God. Wherever you're at, whatever you're going through, He can be, bring those things that are dead in your life to life. You know, we've been talking about in the church a lot about breakthrough. What do you believe in God for? What do you believe in God to break out of your life? What are you asking God to do? Well, perhaps today would be the day. It's as good today as, as ever, right? What if it was just a measure of your faith, of believing that God would do what He said He would do? Because Jesus came. And that resurrected power was released to you and to I through the resurrection. Do you know when that happened? It leaves us in a position and in a condition to have a life that is radically changed. Radically changed. So you, if you say, Pastor Noe, you know, man, my life hasn't changed that much since knowing Jesus. You need to kind of get a little closer. You need to ask for a little bit more work in your life because your life should drastically, radically change. If you're still dealing with the same thing, you need to say, Lord, put that to death and bring new life. How many of you know we still live in the flesh? We, we still remember those dumb old days. Some of you might still be living the dumb days. But it's time to change the way you think, to crucify the flesh, to those, those things that are of the sinful old man nature, put them to death in the grave where they belong and resurrect to new life. Amen. Allow God to change the motives of your heart. You know if your heart changes, your actions change? You say, I don't know why I'm not changing, Pastor. No way, I keep doing the same. Ask God to change your heart. Ask God to change the way you think. If your heart and your mind changes, your external actions will automatically change. Yeah, amen, you got that? God has to change the inside for the external to change. Don't just try to, you know, just grip down and say, oh, I'm gonna change, I'm gonna make a difference. I'm not gonna make that stupid decision anymore. Ask God to change your heart so that it changes your action. And that ain't even my message. That's a freebie. 
all right? So today he's risen just as he said he would. He's no longer in the grave, but he is alive and well. He has risen and he has risen indeed. This morning, uh, it, it was a celebration. It was a moment in time where everything changed. But I wanna look at John 20. I'm gonna read this whole chapter. I said, Pastor Noah, you've given me four, five chapters in the course of a month and a half. Well, you might be reading more Bible than you ever have in your life. Right, but I'm gonna read this whole thing because I want us to listen to this whole story of how it unfolded. And what I want to look at in this passage is I'm gonna categorize three responses to the resurrection of Jesus. Those who are faithful, those who are fearful, and those who are faithless. Now, I want you to really look at your heart as I read through this, categorize yourself in one of these categories. Because how many of you know we really have to know where we're at to know where we need to go? If we don't know what's really inside, we don't know what's wrong or what's right. But if we are people full of faith, then let that faith grow. If we are people who are fearful, let's no longer fear anymore, but trust in the Lord. Let's say this morning you came in here faithless and you got, you got baited and tricked and you came for an Easter egg hunt. Well, I'm gonna give you something way more important to you today than eggs filled with Easter candy. I'm going to give you something that will cause life and life more abundantly that you may never hunger and thirst again. Amen. This is spiritual. This is something internal that will forever change you. So let's just jump right into this passage, John 20. We're going to read verses 1 through 30. So starting in verse 20. And if it helps you to close your eyes, just try to imagine or listen to me. You know, maybe if you want to read along, you can read along. I'm going to read from the NIV. But put yourself in the perspective of this moment. It says, early on the first day of the week, while it was still dark, Mary Magdalene went to the tomb and saw that the stone had been removed from the entrance. So she came running to Simon Peter and the other disciple, the, Jesus, the, the one Jesus loved and said, they have taken the Lord from the tomb and we don't know where they have put him. So Peter and the other disciple started for the tomb. Both were running, but the other disciple outran Peter and reached the tomb first. He bent over and looked at the strips of linen lying there, but did not go in. Then Simon Peter came along beside him and went straight into the tomb. He saw that the strips of linen were there, as well as the cloth that had been wrapped around Jesus' head. The cloth was still lying in its place, separate from the linen. Finally, the other disciple who had reached the tomb first also went inside. He saw and believed. They still did not yet understand from scripture that Jesus had to rise from the dead. Then the disciples went back to where they were staying. Now Mary stood outside the tomb crying. As she wept, she bent over and looked into the tomb and saw two angels in white seated where Jesus' body had been, one at the head and one at the foot. And they asked her, woman, why are you crying? She responds, they have taken my Lord away, she said, and I don't know where they have put him. At, at this, she turned around and, and, and saw Jesus standing there, but she did not realize that it was Jesus. He asked her, woman, why are you crying? Who, who is it that you are looking for? Thinking that he was a gardener, she said, sir, if you have carried him away, tell me where you have put him and I will get him. Jesus said to her, Mary. She turned around towards him and cried out in Aramaic, Aramaic rabioni, which means teacher, Jesus said, do not take hold of me for I have not yet ascended to my father. Go instead to my brothers and tell them, I am ascending to my father and to your father and to my God and to your God. Mary Magdalene went to the disciples with the news. I have seen the Lord, she said to them. And, and, and that she said these things to her. And on the, on the evening of the first day, so this is the same day in the evening when the disciples were together with the doors locked 
for fear of the Jewish leaders, Jesus came and stood among them and said, peace be with you. After he said this, he showed them his hands and his feet and the disciples were overjoyed when they saw the Lord. And Jesus said, peace be with you. As the Father has sent me, I am sending you. And with that, he breathed on them and said, receive the Holy Spirit. If you forgive anyone's sins, their sins are forgiven. And if you have not forgiven them, they are not forgiven. Now, Thomas, one of the 12, was not with the disciples when Jesus came. So the other disciples told him, we have seen the Lord. But he said to them, unless I see the nail marks in his hands and I put my fingers where the nails were and put my hands into his side, I will not believe. A week later, his disciples were in the house again and Thomas was there this time. Though the doors were locked, Jesus came and stood among them. Peace be with you. Then he said to Thomas, put your finger here, see my hands. Reach out your hand and put it on into my side. Stop doubting and believe. Thomas said to him, my Lord and my God. Then Jesus told him, because you have seen me, you have believed. But blessed are those who have seen and yet have not seen and yet believe. We see in this story really three different contrasts of ones that were faithful, ones that were fearful, and one that was faithless. We'll get back to his story, but it says, unless I see and touch, I will not believe. So let's start off with the faithful. Who was the faithful? So we see Mary Magdalene is the one that was first there. It says that early that morning, before the sun came up, she made her way to the tomb. Now, how many of you know getting up early is a challenge sometime, right? But if it's important, how many of you guys, when you're going hunting or fishing, you got no problem getting up? It's three in the morning, let's go. Work time, snooze, right? <laughs> What's important to you, you will get up, you will make time. Uh, have you ever strived to be at the first of something great? A concert or getting in line first? I mean, it, it takes some diligence, some work, some planning ahead. But it says, while it was still dark, they went. Now, how many of you realize that if you stay close to the place that Jesus was, Last you met him, you may see him again. Now we see that Mary was the first one to the tomb and she actually stayed after everybody left. So we see in the context of the scripture, she shows up, notice that the tomb is empty, runs back, tells the disciples, the disciples kind of check it out and then go back home. But she stays at the tomb crying and weeping. She refused to leave. Now, we have to realize that she was the first one there, and she was the last one left. It was still dark, super early in the morning, and she cried out and longed, asking the question, where has Jesus gone? How many of you know that she waited, she looked, and she found? Those moments that we wait and we grit through, not feeling it. How many of you guys have ever dealt with not feeling it, but you position yourself in a configuration to receive from the Lord? Sometimes it works, sometimes it feels like it doesn't work. But nonetheless, our posture and our position directly affect what we receive. I can stay close, I can draw near, I can remember that he said he was gonna come back. And even seeing, but yet not understanding, I can put myself in a position of belief and hope and find what I'm looking for. She found Jesus that day. She was the first one how many of you know that when Jesus knows you, he will call you by your name? Didn't say, hey, daughter, hey, sister. Said, hey, Mary. 
Now, if God has ever called you personally by name, that causes faith in your heart that will last a lifetime that you know him and, and he has seen you and you have seen him and you will, you will forever be full of faith trusting in who Jesus is. She'd never lost faith. I'm sure she was struggling emotionally and didn't know what to do and didn't know how to respond, but guess what? She was the one near the tomb. She was the one close. We see her faithfulness. We see her pursuit now, in the, in, the, in the book of Luke, you know, it talks about Mary, the other Mary, Mary, mother of James, and we're like, I don't know, there were just a lot of Marys there. But in the book of Luke, do you realize that it says Mary and the women? Now, guys, I'm not gonna bust you up this morning, but there's something about our wives and our spouses and women's pursuit of God that we have to get. Even in the church, we see the women leading a lot. We see them lingering a little bit longer. We see a little bit more of a desperation sometimes than us as men pursue, right? We're like, ah, he wasn't here, I'm out. That might be me. But the women out of their desperation and their hope, maybe their long suffering, I don't know what it is, but we need to pay attention to that. In Luke 24, seven, it says that, it references there that the 11 were there and they were all told. Now, I don't know if this was different ladies told different groups, but we'll see as we unravel this that there were only two that, that were told that showed up at the tomb. Mary got to see Jesus first because of her faithfulness and her desperation. When was the last time you got up early or stayed up late out of desperation to meet with God. I'm not talking binge watching Netflix. I'm not talking about getting up for work. I'm talking about when is the last time you got up early to meet with God expecting him to show up? That you've desperately cried and said, Lord, I need a touch. I'm desperate for you. I can't do it without you. And then you stay up late out of desperation to meet with God. If we truly wanna see Jesus, there has to be more of that. You know, a lot of us might say with our words that we are desperate for God and we love God and we are pursuing God with, with the depths of our soul, but in practical, what does your life look like? Only you can answer that. You know what you're doing or what you're not doing. You know if you're pursuing or not pursuing. But let me tell you what, the more desperate you are, perhaps the closer you can be to Jesus. You can be full of faith. What about the last time you got to church early and, and didn't wait for the worship team to lead you into the presence of God, but you yourself ushered in the presence of God because of your desperation to meet with him? Man, I know the coffee's good. I know the breakfast is good and I love the fellowship, but I showed up to meet with Jesus. And you immediately engaged because you realize that he is everything you need and everything you've looked for. And when you find it, you will not be satisfied with anything else except him. He will radically change every facet of your life. Mary knew who Jesus was and she saw him and grabbed a hold of him and did not want to let go. Mary was able to see the Lord and tell others about it. So make sure we get this. Who were the first ones to see Jesus? The women. They were the first ones to see Jesus. We see her faithfulness. 
So we have the faithful. Who do we have next? The fearful. Now, who were these fearful ones? These were the disciples and the followers of Jesus. In Luke 24, like I said, it referenced that the 11 disciples were told about the resurrection that, uh, of Jesus coming back, but only Peter, and, it's, and it specifies, the, and another disciple showed up. So that means at least Mary Magdalene told the two, so we know that it was John, I mean, I'm sorry, Peter, and the other disciple. You know, in there, it always says other disciple. It never clarifies which disciple that was. That, that boggles my mind. Who was that other disciple? But only Peter and another disciple, they ran to the tomb. They stayed for a little while. They inspected it and they said, the body's no longer here. I still don't understand. They still did not yet understand that Jesus had to rise from the dead. Now, let's look at what they saw because it says that they came in. Well, the first, the other disciple just kind of stopped in the doorway and kind of looked in. He didn't go in. But then when we see Peter, who was very close to Jesus, he ran right in. Well, when he walked in, what did he see? He saw the cloth that was covering Jesus' head separate and folded up from the linen. So the cloth covered his face and the linen covered his body. Now, on, the, on, on, one, on, one, on one part of that, you, you think, how did that happen? Because at the time, there was what they called uh, grave raiders. They would come in and they would, they would rob the grave is what they would do. They would tear the linen, they would pull the head garment, and it looks like, I guess a horror show is what it would look like. Everything would not be set in perfect order and definitely not folded up. When's the last time something flew out of the dryer and it naturally folded itself? Man, if I, you find one of those for me, get it. Let me know. Pull it out and it just, it's folded already. This proves, first and foremost, that it seems as if his body just passed through these grave clothes. He sat up, grabbed the head garment, neatly folded it up and set it to the side. Tell you what, the guards didn't do that. All right? There was a, there was a detailed separation he was proving that he was who he said he was. The other disciple with Peter saw and believed. Peter, confused, he shrugged his shoulders, decided to go back home. But like I said, Mary stayed at the tomb. And she was the first to see Jesus. So that evening of the same day, the disciples minus Thomas were locked in their homes out of fear of Jewish leaders. And guess what? <laughs> this, is the, this, is the, this is the best part. Jesus showed up anyway. Because you say, well, man, maybe I'm fearful or maybe I'm faithless. Will Jesus still show up? Yes, he will. Because that's the kind of God he is. He, he shows up. They're fearful that they're living in fear. They have the door locked and Jesus just shows up regardless of, of their uh, fearfulness. You know, he didn't even need to open the door because with this new body, he could just walk in on you. I know you've been caught off guard before when somebody opens your door unexpectedly. What happens if Jesus just shows up in the room with you? He don't knock, he just shows up. Well, every time Jesus shows up, we see in scripture, what does he say? My peace, be at peace, it's okay. Because probably they were startled, right? You think if he just showed up and you weren't expecting him, he says, my peace be with you. Be at peace, not at fear. But he quickly in this situation dealt with the unbelief and the fear. He said, he, he immediately showed him his hands and his side. He, he, didn't, he didn't even wait to say, hey, 
You guys believe it's me? He immediately got involved because he wanted to deal with, deal with the fear issue. He knew the issue was fear. Well, how many of you know that faith will drive out fear? It will change the whole situation. It will change your perspective. It will cause your, your fear to turn into faith. But he says, you know, he says, be at peace, don't doubt. He showed them their side and they became overjoyed and encouraged once again to receive his peace. Let me tell you, once again, to receive his peace. How many of you know you can only receive peace if you've lost peace? Now, I know that these disciples really stressed out. The, 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 their rabbi, master, whatever, you know, who they, they had lived with for a long amount of time was crucified, was killed, and was dead. They yet were not yet enlightened to the magnitude of the whole story. But that fear, they locked themselves away. All right? But then Jesus shows up, and he causes their, their fear to, to move to faith. What does he say to them? He says, he gives them a new commission. He says, I'm now gonna send you and he breathes on them and he says, receive the Holy Spirit and operate in my authority. So we have those that are faithful, right? We have those who are fearful. You ever been fearful? Locked yourself away. Think that's gonna keep you safe, right? And then there's one more group, the faithless. Now we've all heard the story about doubting Thomas and he didn't have faith and you know, and, and, you know, rightly so, you know, I, I'd have been bummed out. Jesus shows up and I'm the only disciple not there. And, you know, I don't know how I would have responded with that because I don't know if I would have been offended or if I would have felt like he didn't care about me. But nonetheless, a week later, Jesus gives him another chance. It says, when all the disciples were together in one accord, they were all back together, he shows up. And do you know who he showed up for? Who did he show up for? Thomas, because he knew what he said. He knew what he had, the faith level that he had. But how many of you know God is awesome at meeting you at the level of faith that you're at? He says, I will not believe unless. How many of you have given God an ultimatum? I'm only gonna believe or I'm only gonna trust you if A, B, and C are met. You ever done that? I mean, I think we do that. We say, Lord, or how many of you say, Lord, I'll trust you if you, it's called fleecing, setting out a fleece and hoping, say, Lord, if that baby cries, I know you're real. <laughs> Sorry if she heard me and got super offended. Oh, I don't really, oh, she's good. But it'd be like that. Like, you know, it's just, it's just something that is, Lord, if you're really real, whatever you want to fill in that. And I see it. And then you know what happens? Sometimes God will actually honor that and that still ain't good enough for you. You sin, you say like, well, if, if da-da-da-da-da happens, I'll know that it's the Lord. And sometimes the Lord is faithful in that. Sometimes he answers, uh, answers our request through that. But I think that the moment that we realize that he answers us and he reveals himself to us, don't keep doubting. Doubting Thomas, you know, that whole story, and, and we're gonna look at it a little bit in, more in depth. If, if he would have never come unto believing, it's kind of a bum story, right? It'd be like, I showed you. This is what you said you needed to believe. You straight up put your hands in, in, the, in, my, in my hands. You put your hand in my scars and like, still you don't believe? I think sometimes we're, we're guilty of that. So I, I really believe that there's really two options for you this morning. 
Either you have already seen enough to believe, so put your trust in the Lord, or maybe you have not yet seen, but today, nonetheless, God wants to give you enough that you might believe in him. Now, I feel even right now that the spirit of God has begun to move around this room and beginning to draw the hearts of his people that I really believe that he is already up to something great in our midst. Um, I really believe that God gives you a chance to experience, experience his undeniable goodness. But it is up to you to receive or reject it. It's up to you to place your faith in it or deny it. Know that it's up to you. So let's look at this faith list, this doubting Thomas. Thomas, he wasn't present. He wasn't there the first time. He says, I won't believe unless I see. Gave God an, you know, gave God an ultimatum. So I'm only one week later. Now I bet that week was the longest week of his life. Because the, the other disciples had already seen, they had already known, they were all excited. And I feel like that that week was like a trial by fire. You know, and I don't know at what point that faith list became worse. Man, like not seeing, not believing, I wasn't there. So let's look at this real quick. The one that stayed close to where Jesus was saw Jesus. The ones who were fearful and locked behind closed doors, uncertain of what Jesus was doing and what the master plan was, guess what? They saw Jesus. The one that even had a lack of faith and doubted and said, unless I see, Jesus came back a week later for the one that was faithless. Kind of the same story. He shows up. My peace be with you. And he says, Thomas, calls him by name. He says, put your fingers here, see my hands, reach out your hand, put it into my side. But then he gives him a command. He doesn't say, hey, what do you think now? Is it enough? No, he says, stop doubting and believe. And I'm gonna give you the same command today if you are living in a faithless posture if you're saying, Lord, show me who you are, unless I see your hands, unless I see your feet, unless I see the scars on your head from your crown of thorns and, and, and the cut in you, the, the scar on your side, I will not believe. But if you are at that place and he shows up and he reveals himself to you, all that I can say is stop doubting and believe. You have seen more than enough and yet still don't believe. You have seen the goodness of God. The word actually promises that, that you will see the goodness of God in the land of the living. Not when I die. The land of the living says right here, right now in this moment. I get to see his goodness. I get to see uh, uh, his, his heart towards us. Think about it just for a moment. We're, we're so needy in the Western culture that we, we don't see the blessings for what, for what they are. You know, this week, my little daughter was sick. She was running fever all week long. Now, she wasn't acting like it. At one point, 103. Tell you what, if any of us grown folk have 103, we're ready to die and go to see Jesus. I'd ask her, how you doing, baby? Oh, I'm doing good. And she'd turn a cartwheel and go lay back on my couch. I'm like, calm down. Like, Just kept dealing with it, kept dealing with it, kept dealing with it. You don't know what good health is until you have bad health. 
You might be living in a moment of prosperity in your life where you have more finances than you know what to do with, but you don't know struggle till you don't have it. I promise. You're like, this can't be that bad. No, it can be bad. Maybe you've just never been there. Maybe you have been a Christian your whole life, so you don't know what it is to follow the world. That's a blessing that you never ventured out into all the chaotic things of the world and tried to find happiness in all these things, but you found Jesus at an early age. There are testimonies of his goodness all around us. I see people, I see children. We have children in this church that are a testimony to God's goodness and faithfulness. We got miracle babies in this room and in this church. You know, one's born that the doctors say there's no hope. I don't know how many of you know this or not, but I'm going to tell you because I got a little bit more time and if I cut it too short, Becky will be mad at me. My son Samuel, if you have met him or if you haven't met him, when he was two and a half years old, I backed over him with my truck. You wouldn't know that today because of the goodness of God. We were in the front yard and Becky was watching him and turned for a moment. He was chasing after me to try to get in the truck with me. And as I backed up, I felt like I hit the culvert. Just stick here with me for a minute. This ain't gonna live, we're not gonna stop at doom and gloom because we're gonna give God praise for his goodness. Went to the hospital, he had a fracture in his skull. Brain was good, had fluid coming out of his nose. So learned about like fluid leaks and all this stuff. I'm freaking out. I know in the moment, uh, people tried to encourage me. It's gonna be all right, you're gonna be okay. Had some encourage me to be strong for my family. At that point, I was trying to be strong for myself, much less my family. Because I was at the place of where I could be facing the reality of I killed my son. And how can that be God's best? Now, I served the Lord at that moment and I got mad and I got frustrated. And I said, Lord, I know I hear your voice. You could have caused my truck to stall. You could have shouted from heaven and caused that not to happen. Now, I'm not here to tell you that God doesn't do all of that. But at that moment, Pastor Noe didn't get none of that. And I was faced with the reality of I could trust God and lean closer to him or I could get infuriated and mad and disgusted that the moment I needed God, he let me down. But it was in that moment that God used a moment of devastation for his glory and for his goodness. I remember they life flighted him to Houston. That was the longest drive of my life. Remember my father-in-law was driving. I said, you need to drive faster. I'll pay the ticket. (laughs) I didn't care. I'm sure the cop would let me go. I get there and his head is cut open. Uh, I said, how you doing, buddy? And he says, I'm doing good, dad. Fist bump me. Man, I'm just like, dear Lord Jesus. You know, this, you know when, you, when you get a, a head laceration, it looks way worse than it was. Like, I mean, doctors let me know. I said, he has a big head. It's gonna do that. When we sew it back up, it'll be okay. How many of you know my son and have seen my son? Now, let me tell you what. He likes his hair short. But when his hair is short, you can see the scar that remains. And it reminds me, not of that moment of destruction and death, 
but God's faithfulness and grace and life. Now, I don't deserve it more than anybody else. God could have chose to take my son that day and God would have been God. But that day, God spared my son. And I believe God has great plans in store for my son. I believe that he does. But there are moments of doubt. There are moments of fear. And there are moments of standing in unwavering faith. I think I was kind of working through all three in the same time. But I refused to deny God. I had seen too much of God to doubt him in that moment. So let me give you some of the backstory. He was out of the hospital in two days. That don't happen. The officers that show up have heard horror stories of it not ending in life, but in sure death. And even when he was better, we took Samuel to those officers and said, hey, this is the one. So we see that when God works a miracle in somebody's life, it is a testimony to all those around. You can't tell me it didn't happen, I promise. I know it happened, but I also know what happened. When Jesus said, be at peace, know that I'm in control. And those scars, those reminders are just remnants of the goodness of God that causes me not to live in a place of faithlessness, but to live in a place of being faith-filled. Because if God can do that for me, he can do it for you. But let me tell you something, just for a moment, hear me on this. If you have seen God let you down, ask God to give you a new perspective because God doesn't let us down even when bad things happen. Even when we don't see it turn out like we want. God promises to use every hard thing in our life to teach us something, to grow our faith, to cause unwavering faith. So this morning, if you have not seen, if you have not believed, if you have not seen the scars in his hand and the scar on his side, come and see the goodness of God today. Place your hope in Jesus. You know, you can go to Israel and see the tomb, but that's all you're going to see. Because he had the right to lay down his life and to take it up. But he also has the right to take your life that is deserving of death. Without Jesus is on its way to hell and resurrect that to bring it to life. Today, if you don't have a relationship with the Lord, today is the day. The best thing I can give you is not a candy-filled Easter egg. But it is the testimony of what Jesus has done for you and what he's done for I. Do you realize he knows your name today? I don't know all your names. Couldn't if I try, I mean, I couldn't even get through right here. Let me tell you what, God knows your name. It says, while he formed and fashioned us in our mother's womb, he created us with a purpose and a plan. Can everybody close your eyes just for a moment? Can you, can you think about that? That the God of heaven and earth created you. He wanted your eyes the specific color they are. Wanted your hair to stick up in the awkward spots where it doesn't like to lay down. Built you with those, you know, frustration things that, that bug your wife, but yet perfect. And even on our worst days, we bring them pleasure. 
because he formed and he fashioned us and he loved us. Look back up at me. John 20, 29. It says, because you have seen me, you have believed. But it said, blessed are those who have not seen and yet believe. I got a question for you today. What is it that may be keeping you in doubt? Only you can answer that. Well, pastor, you don't understand. I mean, I don't understand everything, but I've been through some hard stuff. Didn't make me exempt. I wish it would have. I survived it, barely. I don't know what the future holds, but I know God is faithful. What is it that's keeping you in doubt? And for you, what category do you fall in this morning? Are you faithful? Meaning that you are full of faith, that you are remaining loyal and steadfast until the second coming of Lord Jesus. Are you faithful? Maybe you're fearful, you're worried. You hear all this stuff on the news. You're worried about the president's decision. You're worried about this war. You are living in utter fear. And he says, be at peace. Don't fret, don't worry, have faith in me. Maybe this morning you're, you're faithless. Maybe you haven't seen God or you have a misrepresentation of who God is. You're in full doubt and unbelief. You see God as untrustworthy. And he really, really wants to show you who he is this morning. Proverbs 3, 5 through 6 in the New Living, it says, Trust in the Lord with all of your heart. Do not depend on your own understanding. Seek his will in all you do, and he will show you what path to take. Can you guys stand up with me? I'm one of these preachers that I do not want to let you loose until you make a choice. And guess what? I'm the pastor of this church. We can stay as long as we want. I can get them guys to lock the door if I ask them. I do not want you to leave this place without making a choice. You can accept Jesus or you can reject him, but you cannot remain neutral. Not on my watch. We have seen too much of the goodness of the Lord in the land of the living and even in this moment during this service for you to go away and not be changed. We're gonna be released in just a minute. We're gonna have a great time with the kids. But you wanna know what one of the greatest gifts you can give your kids is? A lifetime of following Jesus. And if you ask your kid, what's Easter all about? They ain't gonna say an Easter egg. They're gonna say Jesus and the cross, an empty tomb. And if that's the answer they have, do you have the same answer? It's up to you. That last verse in John 20, it says, Jesus performed many other signs in the presence of his disciples, many which were not recorded in this book. But these are written that you may believe that Jesus is the Messiah, the Son of God, and that by believing, you may have life in his name. So this morning, I'm not gonna take a lot of time. I have prayer teams available this morning. If you have not given your life to Jesus and if you died right now, you say, Pastor, I don't know what would happen. I hope he would let me in, but I'm not sure of that. This morning, I wanna give you a chance not to just proclaim him as God, but also proclaim him as Lord. You know, even the devil know, knows that Jesus exists, but they don't follow him. 
That's the difference between knowing that he is God and knowing that he is Lord. Lord means you're gonna follow him for a lifetime, not just acknowledging his existence. So this morning, if you say, Pastor, I wanna either recommit my life or I don't have a relationship with the Lord and I wanna do that right now, I want you to step out of your chair and come forward and I got prayer teams that will pray with you. Come quickly, if that's you. It says, today is the day of salvation. Praise God. You know, he says in scripture that if you deny him before people, I'll also deny you in the presence of my father. So I'll tell you what, if we got this many saved people in the room, when we dismiss, we're gonna keep celebrating. We're gonna keep rejoicing. And guess what? We're gonna go tell people what Jesus has done, amen? Let me pray for you and I'll dismiss you. Father, I thank you for your goodness. God, I thank you for the empty tomb. I thank you for the relationship that we have with you. Lord, I thank you for the resurrection. Father, and I thank you that throughout a lifetime, we will continue to see your goodness in our lives. God, I pray that we would continue to follow you not just on Sundays, but for the rest of our lives. For those in the room, Lord, that I know maybe made a new commitment to you that really evaluated where they're at, I pray that we would leave this place being faithful people, full of faith, quick to be obedient, to trust you in all situations. Lord, I thank you that as we go from this place, we can celebrate your goodness. As we go from this place, we have the hope of the world. Lord, I pray that you'd bless each one. I pray that their homes would be full of your presence. Lord, I thank you for what you're doing in and through our lives. Help us to know you more. Help us to follow you full of faith. In Jesus' name we pray, amen. Before I release you, hey, next week we're gonna start a brand new series. It's called the Real Life Series. We're gonna look at being single. We're gonna look at the married life. And we're gonna look at finances. Now, I got some catch words that'll help you. We're going to talk about the single. We're going to talk about the mingle. And we're going to talk about the jingle in our pocket. Hey, so invite somebody next week as we jump into that series. I really believe that it'll help every single one of us. We love you guys. Go get your kids. And we'll meet you guys outside for that egg hunt. We love you. If we can do anything for you, let us know. You guys be blessed. Thank you for joining us for the Harvest Time Church podcast. We hope you've been encouraged and empowered. If you'd like more information about our family, please write us at 42 FM 2540 South, Bay City, Texas 77414. Or check us out on the web at harvesttimebaycity.com.